How do you mitigate your risk? Uh, you have really great legal documents, first of all. Like that is that is key to getting this all done. And I will say this, you know, I, I, there's oftentimes I deal with somebody who's really great at marketing, um, you know, has done a really great job building, you know, their investor base, building interest, you know, educating the public, whatever they've been doing. And, and then they get, you know, legal documents that say, you know, here are all the risks associated with investing and they freak out thinking that their investors aren't going to invest. But the savvy investor knows those risks, understands those risks, needs to hear those risks again. Um, and, and it's your job as a real estate entrepreneur to not just give the shiny object to the investor, but also show them the dark side of investing. That's really your responsibility. And, and the better you are at that and the more rock solid your, your legal documents are, the better it is not just for you, but for the investors as well. Welcome to the CRE Project Podcast, where investors, developers, brokers, and real estate entrepreneurs join together to grow, build, and execute on experience and strategies within the commercial real estate industry. We sit down with the top pros and leaders within the commercial real estate field and gain knowledge and insight from their success. We're glad you're here and look forward to connecting with you. You can find the CRE Project on all major podcast platforms, along with YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Hello, CRE Project Podcast listeners. Today, Clayton and I are absolutely thrilled to have Jillian Sidoti on the show. Jillian is an attorney, author, educator, and former college professor. And for the past several years, Jillian has focused her legal practice on helping entrepreneurs raise capital using crowdfunding and working with private investors. She is also the author of the highly rated book, The Crowdfunding Myth, and she is a member and founding attorney with crowdfundinglawyers.net. She's also launching her new endeavor, Private Money Rockstars. She's on the show today sharing how entrepreneurs, deal sponsors, and aspiring syndicators can grow and scale their business in the real estate investing industry. We hope you gained as much from this show as we did. Thanks for being with us. Jillian, thanks so much for being on the CRE Project podcast this morning. We appreciate your time. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to speak with you live after listening to hours and hours of your YouTube channel and podcast. So it's, <laughs> it's a treat to have you here. Thank you. I'm so glad. That, that's such an honor that you would watch all of that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's better than the, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I just soak it up. So it's music to my ears. And uh, Clayton and I are in the real estate brokerage and development business, and we uh, are aspiring um, syndicators and deal sponsors. We do that <clears throat> to a certain extent already, but we would like to scale and systemize and automate and grow and become better um, and more efficient. So we're, we're op we know that you can help us get there. So ah. <laughs> I guess starting off, for um, our listeners, can you just explain to our listeners the benefits of having a fund uh, versus, you know, just a general LLC or a, a tick and, and how a fund is different? So a lot of times what people are looking at is they're thinking they have to find a property before they can start raising capital or start, you know, moving forward with their real estate uh, 
investing career, if you will, or enterprise. And, and that is not necessarily true. Now it's, it may be, you know, wise to start with a single property. So you as a real estate investor can lean on that property as, you know, here's what's so great. Instead of saying, here's what's so great about me, you can say, here's what's so great about the property. Um, because you kind of have to shift the focus from the property to not just the marketplace, but also yourself when you're convincing somebody of doing a fund. But one of the great reasons for doing a fund is that you can go out and say, look, I know there's opportunities out there. I know there's opportunities out there. And then you point to all, all the reasons why there's opportunities out there. This market is hot. Uh, here are the reasons why it's hot. We know that there's still available, um, you know, uh, there's diamonds in, uh, in the rough out there that we yeah. can build up and, and build out and then, and so then you juxtapose that to your own personal um, experience. Um, I've taken these diamonds in the rough before, brushed them off and made them, you know, glorious centerpieces of this marketplace where we made a ton of money or whatever your examples might be. So the great thing about doing a fund is that you don't have to identify that pro property, but you're ready to strike when opportunity presents itself. And that's why, um, I love funds because I know that funds are usually getting the better deals. There's no time crunch. There's no real time crunch. There's always a time crunch, you know, sure. uh, time is a human construct that we all have to bend to. <laughs> but sure. unlike when you buy a property, um, you, you buy a property, there's a closing date. You've got to be ready for that closing date. The, the, the deal is done. There's not a lot of, uh, of movement, but when you have a fund, you got your money, you're cash rich, you can go and make offers as you see fit and, and negotiate in a very, uh, a, a more relaxed manner. Um, and you also have the cash ready, so you stand ready. You're a better buyer than other buyers who don't have their cash ready in a syndication model. Um, so that to me is uh, the reason why you might wanna start a fund. Absolutely. And, and thank you for that explanation. And just to further clarify, so if you are setting up your documents and your PPM and you, you've got your um, operating agreements and everything, I'm not 100% certain on all the documents you need, but um, if you have, for example, uh, a 10% 10, 10 cash on cash and a 16% IRR, can you then go out and invest in any deal that hits those benchmarks without communicating directly with that investor pool? Is that accurate? Um, I'm going to give a very legal answer right now. And that okay. is, it depends because it's not just the cash on cash return and the AR, the IRR. It, it's not just those things. It's also things like, um, uh, what market did you say you were going to go in? What asset class did you say you were going to go in? Um, yep. You know, did you, I, I dealt with this recently. I had a client who was like, we're going to buy class A apartment buildings and then, and, you know, cash flow ready. And then at the last minute says, oh, I also want to buy distressed properties. Well, distress doesn't fit cash flow class A ready. So right. you have to figure out, did you tell your investors this or did you you know, veer a severe left 
when you came down to came down to buying properties. Now, let's just say you say we're going to start a self storage fund, and you go out and you buy a self storage property, and then you see next door there's an amazing mobile home park, senior living facility type of you know 55 plus mobile home park next to the self storage facility. Okay, let let's let's think about this for a second. People who are moving into a mobile home park for 55 plus, it's usually a nicer park. For people who are, for you know, boomers who are downsizing, downsizing is the key. So those people in that park are most likely going to use your self-storage facility. And up comes for sale the mobile home park, but you don't have that written into your fund because you're a self-storage fund. What you could do is go back to your investors and say, look, I found this opportunity. We can't pass up this opportunity. And if you don't get consent from your investors, fear not, my entrepreneur friend, because what we can do is start a second fund and go and get that property. So you're never not without, you always can find a way to do the deal. If in fact the deal is a good deal. That's a great analogy. So, so Jillian, really quick. So just taking a step back and I mean, dumbing it down to like the nth degree, right? So we're, we're like a dog chasing a squirrel. We finally get that squirrel, that being the deal, you know, now we're going to raise, you know, capital and start a fund. Yes. What are our first initial steps? What should one do? Uh, we're going to, okay. So the first things you need to do is really have to figure out the why you're doing this. Number one, you know, that Simon Sinek, he knows what he's talking about. Start with why. You always want to start with why. And the why is never, by the way, is never because we're going to make a lot of money. That is a, that is a terrible, horrible not good why at all. It doesn't resonate um, because I could tell you that's, I could use that same why for cryptocurrency. I could use that same why for, for investing in marijuana. I could use that same why for anything, you know, gold bullion, whatever you want. <laughs> like I could use that why. It's not a good why. You need to give me a why. Um, so like, for example, uh, multifamily was, was really, really hot, continues to be hot. Um, but you know, now we're in a space where people might not be able to pay their rent. So why multifamily now? Because people who can't pay their mortgage probably are going to have to downsize to apartments. And no matter what, someone always needs a place to live. And it is our responsibility as real estate entrepreneurs to provide safe, nice, um, comfortable living conditions to Americans who've been affected by COVID-19, which is all Americans, by the way. So like you, you, you're giving this message of, you know, we're, we're the knight in shining armor. Now, you don't have to have that particular message, right? There, you could have any messaging. But your why should speak to something deeper, better, more meaningful um, than um, than just sorry than just <laughs> ROI. Hey, don't even think about it, you two. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. So that and that all seems to be incorporated into the brand, your message, the philosophy of the company. Um, and and we agree that money money can't be you know, the, the reason why you're doing what you're doing, you've got to have a, a greater purpose. 
Exactly. And, and again, I, I, I gave that knight in shining army. I don't know what he's looking for. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I gave that knight in shine, shining armor um, example, but it doesn't all, that's not, that's just one example of many. You have to really dig down deep and find what your particular why is. And then, and then you go to the what, you know, what are we going to do? Okay. So we know what our why is, what are we going to do? And how are we going to get there? And then you just keep going through this pattern. And that's the story that you're creating for investors. And is this what you are, uh, or is this what investors are putting together in their executive summary or their pitch deck when you are trying to ramp the business up? And, and this is, you know, whether it's you or your company or a different company, when people are looking for consulting or coaching on how to build that image brand is that something that's in that pitch deck yeah exactly that's exactly what's in the pitch deck that is what should be in the pitch deck and you know one of uh, the people i've i've studied closely is a guy named and if everybody wants to write down this book is a guy named oren class who wrote a book called pitch anything yeah it's, a, it, it's been around for a couple of years but it's still good 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 advice and, um, and in Pitch Anything, he, he talks about how your presentation shouldn't be longer than 20 minutes. Um, you know, get to the point. If people are interested, they can ask questions. They can, you know, they can dig deeper. Um, and that's where your legal documents come in. So the pitch is 20 minutes long. Um, and if you just look at Shark Tank, like those pitches are like, what, 90 seconds long, maybe? Um, and, and people get financed in a matter of five minutes. So, so if you think about this, and I know that's made for TV and what have you and, and things that happened before that, but really your pitch should be no longer than 20 minutes. Um, it should address, you know, the biggest concerns and needs of the investor, because what's going to happen after that pitch is they're going, if they're truly interested, they're going to, they're going to start asking questions. They're going to ask for more information. Um, but your pitch is not supposed to bore somebody to death. It's supposed to give them the, the really quick, easy to understand, easy to digest, truthful, by the way, very truthful things that, um, that they need in order to think, okay, I want to know more. Okay. Okay. And maybe taking a, a step back again, just for a minute, when you were starting a fund and let's say that not, let, let's take today for a real example, right? There is a lot of uncertainty in the market. There's there, there may be, most likely will be some opportunities in the near future. Um, if you were to start a fund, could you start soft, something like a, a, an opportunistic blind pooled fund with multiple asset classes in there? Yeah, of course. You absolutely could do that. Um, now, the thing that I would caution you against, especially if this is your first fund, is to be being overly broad. Because if you're overly yeah. broad, um, you're going to confuse your investors and they're not going to invest. Um, I find that the most narrowly tailored, even my biggest funds are, are narrowly tailored. So, you know, one of my clients is Grant Cardone and, right. and, you know, he's all over the place and does a lot of stuff and he has a ton of funds, but his funds, if you really read them are super narrowly tailored class, a cash flowing apartment buildings in certain States. That's what he invests in. So Grant wasn't the client wanting to go do value add. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> he stays in his class A. He stays in his class A. He stays yeah. in his lane. That's what he knows. That's what he's good at. That's what he, you know. So those are the kinds of things that we we are looking at when we're we're looking at um, 
you know, how, how we want to formulate fun. Now I've had plenty of funds who've been broader than that for sure. And have had success, but I find the funds that, you know, really, you know, have laser focus on what it is that they do and can tell a really good investment story are good, are the good funds. Now, if you're like, I like a little bit, you know, squirrel, I see this, I see that I want to get into everything. Um, you know, then you want to kind of couple things together that make sense. Mobile home parks and self-storage facilities, for example. Um, you know, apartment buildings and self-storage facilities, for example. Um, uh, you know, retail, single-tenant retail and, and strip mall um, plate, you know, or restaurants or, you know, those all commercial buildings that make sense. Like uh, Rich Uncles, which is a, which is a big fund where they, they've changed their name since then to like, I think bricks, but they, their whole thing was, um, was single tenant. And then maybe we'll buy the strip mall behind the single tenant too. You know, like every big fund has a focus of some sort and it's not just opportunity because that, yeah. again, you know, we talked about returns describing anything. That's also what opportunity can describe. So what's a young entrepreneur to do if they're like, but I see opportunity everywhere. First of all, you're always going to do better if you focus, um, number one. And Amen. number two, um, you can always start a second fund. Well said. So, so Jillian, so say, you know, let's, let's kind of dive into the nitty gritty then. So say you, you put together your presentation, you get some investors that are interested in it, you're kind of past that pitch point, you know, legally, you know, getting down into the nitty gritty and kind of tapping into more of your legal side of things. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what are kind of next steps and next documents and, and, you know, what are, I guess, what are the, the key things that, an, an entrepreneur should do to protect themselves and what you know even furthermore like in your presentation in your pitch in your documents aside from being narrowly focused on what type of product you're pursuing and what type of market you know how do you mitigate your risk as you know the fund manager or the sponsor how do you mitigate your risk? Uh, you have really great legal documents, first of all. Like that is that is key to getting this all done. And I will say this, you know, I, I, there's oftentimes I deal with somebody who's really great at marketing, um, you know, has done a really great job building, you know, their investor base, building interest, you know, educating the public, whatever they've been doing. And, and then they get, you know, legal documents that say, you know, here are all the risks associated with investing and they freak out thinking that their investors aren't going to invest. But the savvy investor knows those risks, understands those risks, needs to hear those risks again. Um, and, and it's your job as a real estate entrepreneur to not just give the shiny object to the investor, but also show them the dark side of investing. That's really your responsibility. And, and the better you are at that and the more rock solid your, your legal documents are, the better it is not just for you, but for the investors as well. You know, there's a, there's a level, there's a peace of mind with telling them all the different ways that they can lose their money. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but it, it is true. Shows yeah, there's almost a, a freedom in that transparency. Correct. Um, you know, uh, Clay, if it's all right with you, I'd like to um, open up the floor and, and let Jillian kind of share more about what she is uh, working on as she's talking about us, talking with us offline before the show, um, what her new endeavor is and yeah, how that's going so, to be uh, advantageous to, to our listeners. That's awesome. I appreciate that. 
Yeah, if we can, because that's just fascinating. So if, if you would like to take a few minutes and just tell us about, you know, uh, you, you were the crowdfunding lawyers, of course, and yeah. everyone is familiar with that brand. What are you doing next? So we're crowdfunding lawyers will still exist. You're welcome to call them if you're ready to go with the deal. Um, Nancy or Jeff will help you out. They're the two lawyers in, in the firm. Um, and, and I'm still there. I'm still overseeing things. I'm just not taking um, new clients uh, like I was. Um, and, uh, and instead, what I really want to start focusing on now is helping people build out their whole money raising campaign. Um, and what I mean by that is developing that story. I mean, uh, what we were talking about before the show is the problem I'm seeing is that people come to us for these glorious legal documents. We do a really good job and then people can't go out and raise capital because they don't know what the story is that they're telling. Um, they don't know what the pitch deck should look like. They don't know how to take care of their investors after the fact. And so it's going to be like a before, during, and after approach of before you raise capital, here's the things you have to do. Here are the things you have to do during um, the capital raising process. And here's what you should be doing after you raise the capital so that your investors continue to like you. Um, you know, that to me, that's one of the biggest downfalls of syndicators and fund managers is that they, they start off with good intentions and then they, they fall flat when it comes to reporting and, and really getting into, uh, really getting back to their investors and telling them, here's, uh, here's what we're in, what, here's what we're doing, here's how it works, like blah, 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 blah. And the other thing is too, I've been, I've been trying to help people with this as a lawyer, but it's really not my job as a lawyer. My job as a lawyer is to protect you legally with really great legal documents not to help you figure out what your pitch deck looks like, um, not to figure out what your story is. Uh, that's your job. But now I want to help you with that. I'm going to, I'm going to start helping. Um, you know, we've talked about this with the firm. We're going to start helping uh, with that. And, and we're not even ready. So this is like brand new information. Fantastic. Be, yeah. Great. Uh, Let's get it out uh, there. Brand, <laughs> it's going to be a, under a brand called private money rockstar. So if you guys want to go check out private money rockstar, it's, it's going to be there. You've had Private Money Rockstar for a while, though. I mean, I, I remember uh, taking a couple of courses through that. That yeah. So are you going to – so as far as the, the, the structure, are, is it online learning modules and live coaching, or how are you going to be setting that up? Both. It just depends on how far you want to take it. Like, I'm yeah. going to offer um, a couple of different things. One, it's going to be – I'm going to take, a, like, only 40 clients a year where I'm going to build out their entire system. Um, and then the other, uh, the other people I'm going to – I'm on a call. <laughs> that's, all, that's all right. Hey, Clay and I are both, we both have kiddos. Hey, big guy. Hi. Okay, bye. See you later. Sorry, working from home. Working at hey, home. that's all right. Yeah, um, we have but, kiddos. Um, uh, I, you know, and, and one of the good things about coronavirus, I will say, is that I just stopped worrying about that stuff from now on. Amen. Like, because I used to freak out, like, get out of my space. But I've become so much more relaxed now that I'm like, you know what? People understand. <laughs> they yeah, they do. Well. They do. So, um, yeah, but for 40, 40 clients a year, I'm going to take and I'm going to build out their whole system. And then um, for everybody else, we're going to have online resources, you know, mini coaching sessions, things like that, just to get you where you need to go. Oh, how exciting. Thanks. I'm so that's glad so you guys think that's a good idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> People are like, 
you're going to leave law? I'm like, I'm not exactly leaving law. I'm just not going to be your lawyer. Yeah, right. Well, not at the same time, right? Not the same people, one or the other. I can do one or the other for you. Right. But the good thing is, is because of my association with the, the law firm, I'm that is what we're going to do. I'm going to get you all. I'm going to be the liaison between you and whichever law firm you prefer. You don't have to pick crowdfunding lawyers, but crowdfunding lawyers, of course, is going to give you a big discount. Yeah. And, and, and you will be fully integrated. You know how developers or real estate companies like to be fully integrated. You'll be a right. one-stop shop for people who want to do this business. Exactly. Exactly. That's the whole idea. Yeah, yep, that's absolutely. That's what that's what I was going to say. I mean, there's a lot of firms that just do entitlements. There's a lot of firms that just do architectural, but like we have a firm here locally that does both of that under one roof. And it's just, it's amazing, you know, yeah. exponentially better. Yeah. you know, less to coordinate and just more tailored to the, the customer or the client. So that's, I mean, I, we applaud you for that. We think that's a great idea. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when do you think that you guys will be up and running or is there any information or anywhere that people could go to learn more about that at least right now, or is it just sure, kind of in a holding go, Yeah. If they go to privatemoneyrockstar.com, they can just sign up for our mailing list. And once we're ready to go, we'll be blasting everybody out and everything out and telling everybody what exactly we're offering and, and where they can find it and how they can sign up. Great. Well, we will make sure and have that in the show notes. Um, uh, anything else you'd like to say about that? Or I've got a couple of other questions for you. No, no. Thanks for, thanks for interrupting this very important podcast with my commercial. <laughs> hey, it's, it's awesome. If we can, if we can bring you a couple of uh, people, you know, to sign up, that would, nothing would make me happier. Oh, that's honestly. fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, let's, let's go on with the questions. These are great. Let's, um, can you just give us an idea, you know, let's say Clayton and I were to come to private money rock stars, right? And we wanted to get you on board as our consultant to help us build our fund what would you uh, advocate as a, a good goal for a fund size for a first time entry? Fact, let's, let's do this in real time. Because okay. I, I got to ask you some questions before I can tell you. The first okay. question I would ask you is how much money can you spend in a year? Great question. Um, let's start with uh, and if, are we just talking about the equity we need to raise and then we go get traditional, you know, construction Correct. loan financing? Yeah. Just like if you were going to buy properties based on what you have right now and, and what your infrastructure is, how much could you handle this year and what deals do you think you could find? Clay, you want to start with 10 million? I was going to say, yeah, let's do 10 million. Okay. So 10 million. So 10 million lever, lever. Levered, so you're yes. gonna lever that, right? Yes. Okay. So, okay, and then where? What properties are you gonna buy? We do primarily uh, retail development, single tenant net, net lease, uh, out parcel pad development. Um, so new ground up construction and and uh, re you know remodel to suit type of stuff. New ground. Okay. In single. And Clay Ray, if if retail. interrupt me if you want to add in on that. No, I was just going to say, I mean, specifically what we go after is real estate that's underutilized, redevelop that into a single tenant net lease credit asset that we then sell onto the investment market. So, okay. so there, is a, there is a flip play merchant developer versus cash flow. Where are you? Okay, so you're not, you're looking for the end game. It's not the, it's not the cash flow game. Correct. 
So your audience is really like um, Gen Xers and millennials. Interesting you say that. Investors? <laughs> yeah, yes. But we do, so these are institutional grade investment opportunities that are, you know, sold to a myriad of different, uh, uh, you know, investment platforms. No, I got that. Yeah. No, I get, that's your buyer. I'm talking about your, your investor, sorry. Okay, tell me, here's the question you're gonna get asked from investors. What's happening in the retail market space right now? Aren't a lot of these retail locations gonna go belly up? So um, again, what we specialize in specifically is single tenant net lease assets, typically QSRs, so quick service restaurants, which you know pre-COVID 2019, had, I mean, you know, we're obviously doing very well and booming since COVID. And we know this because we work directly with, you know, the retailers. Mm -hmm. Most of their sales are actually up 30% right now versus 2019. Because That's, so you started with the wrong thing. You're talking about single tenant, new ground up construction, you know, underutilized real estate. That does not tell me a story at all. Fast food tells me a story. Okay. Okay. You know. Um, and I think quick service restaurant makes sense because fast food using the nomenclature quick service restaurant makes more sense than saying fast food because fast food kind of has like a, a stigma to it that it's like bad for you and it's bad for the environment and bad for whatever. So if you say quick service restaurant, these were one of these, these are, these are recession proof assets that, uh, that are needed in society. And when COVID hit, they were there for people. They provided meals for people. I mean, these are the stories you want to be telling. And, and then to an investor point of view, um, you know, and, and we are going to build up these businesses and then send them, sell them off to institutions who can take that and run with it on a cash flow basis. Our, we have a long game and it's, it's not cash flowing right away, but we're gonna, it's gonna pay off big in the end. Um, and that's the story you want to tell. And the why is it's a it's practically recession proof. You started off with single tenant retail, and I thought, wow, that's that's a hard sell. But when we turn it around and really get down to the meat of what is is in there, which is quick service real, uh, this fly is going to <laughs> death with me. Um, so <laughs> if we talk about quick service restaurant, it, we're, we're talking a totally different game. And quick service restaurant doesn't need to be McDonald's. It can be Panera, Correct. right? It can be Starbucks. It can be, it can be Dunkin' Donuts. It can be a number of things um, where, you know, this, this is something people still need. Like, it's just like the, the mobile, the multifamily. People still need a place to live. People still need to eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost think well, you fantastic. start with um, um, what's it Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and you 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 approach it from that. That's fascinating. That's great. That's a fresh know. perspective. <laughs> well, it's a good perspective. It's you know because Clay and I are in it all day, every day, and it's it's great to hear someone else because we really haven't talked through it very much with with anybody, uh, but you know that's why we would wanted to have you on the show and get your opinion <laughs> and just learn more about what you're up to uh I, we we know that you are got a hard stop here clay how are we doing on time 
we got 10 more minutes. We got 10 minutes. No, I want to, I want to, I want to explore this some more. So well, and I, I was going to say, so, so, because yeah. you know what, since I'm, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to be the dummy. So I, I apologize in advance. So, okay. So you, we, we have this fun. We've identified that it's, you know, Singleton at least QSRs that we're going and we're developing. Um, from this point, you're having this conversation with these individuals, right? And you're mm -hmm. looking to raise capital. Um, what timelines should you identify? What expectations should you identify when having these conversations? Because my question is, okay, if someone comes up to you, you say, okay, we're trying to raise $10 million. You know, we're, you know, they're, they're like, okay, well, we'll give you a million dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Towards your fund. Mm -hmm. What is your obligation as, you know, as the fund manager to go out there and identify these opportunities? I mean, is there typically a fuse on 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 the on the capital and my you know so so I guess let me just stop there and have you kind of answer that. So uh, that's a great question, and the answer is when what we usually do is we we set a minimum in the documents in your legal documents that say we're going to raise a minimum of X before we spend any money. And that minimum number is set by you. And it's just to give, you know, comfort to the investors. So you had mentioned a million dollars. And, and so what you, what the number is that you want to pick, and it, it can actually be like a kind of, um, uh, uh, nebulous number. And what I mean by that is you don't have to say it's a minimum of a million dollars. You could say something like, a minimum that in which we can comfortably close on a property, right? So that could mean anything. And so, so that's first and foremost, you set a minimum. And then what you say to investors and look, we're going to have, and we normally set it at this, but you can set it at whatever you want. We're going to have 120 days to identify and close on a property before we have to give you your money back. In the meantime, your money is going to be sitting in our subscription account. You're not going to be a member of the company until such time we close and we move your money over and you become a member of the company. And that's when your returns start accruing. That's when this starts happening. That's when this starts happening. So let's just say you approach that 120 day mark and you're in the middle, you know, closing's just been delayed or whatever. It's real simple. Reach out to your investors and say, sign this thing, letting me keep your money for a little longer so we can close on this property. And then if they don't want to, they don't want to. But at the end of the day, at least you at least you set those expectations and you you communicated with them. So what um, so what metrics do investors typically look for in a deal? So again, we have this deal. What what type of metrics are they looking for from a number standpoint? I think at the end of the day, a lot of invest it, it's different investors look for different things, right? And so that's why I mentioned Gen Xers and Millennials, right? Um, and I actually think your market now that I'm thinking about it is wealthier Gen Xers, not, not millennials, um, wealthier Gen Xers who have really good jobs, really good businesses, don't need the cash flow and understand real estate. Um, I would make this a $10 million, um, 506 C fund where you went yeah. out and raised money from the public accredited investors, public accredited investors. Um, now you have to, you can't have a failure to launch. You have to go out and constantly hit these people with this opportunity through targeted, you know, Facebook ads, um, use with use of, you know, articles, um, really putting yourself out there as being somebody who understands the, 
quick service restaurant real estate space. I think it's very niche and very interesting um, and very much uh, speaks to, to that crowd. And, and these are people who do not need the cash flow, right? So, so uh, what are investors looking for? The first, it always starts with the why, the good story. And then the second part, then the second part would be you know, the plan that's going forward. What is the end game? And then third is the return on investment. Um, so cap rate, I can show you an 8% cap rate and then I can show you why a 3% cap rate could be better. Yeah. Especially in yeah, cap rates are, they don't tell the yeah. whole story. That's yeah. For sure. These, these people are not looking at cap rate. Cap rate is for the, for the person who's first starting out and investing for the first time and is, is, is looking at that class C, um, you know, apartment building and it's a, it's a long shot. It may not work out, uh, that kind of thing. I mean, I, I remember seeing a, a whole presentation that blew my mind about cap rate where cap rate went from 8% down to 3%. But if you increase the rents ever so slightly, uh, on that cap rate, you increase your net worth that much more on a smaller cap rate. And that speaks to your type of investor more than, you know, the super high cap, rate. like we're buying it at a 10% cap rate. That means nothing to this type of investor that you're looking yeah. at. So, so, so breaking that down even more, Jillian, again, tapping into your consulting side of things, right? <laughs> because I mean, it's of interest to me. So say I have this deal, right? We have obviously our basis in the property. We signed a 20 year ground lease, $65,000 a year. We know that this in typical or this, this product trades on the market for a five cap. We have our exit number, we have our spread. Is that typically what they're kind of looking for? And I guess my question is from that point, you know, do you identify from a, from a merchant development type of deal, do you say that you're going to you know, disperse funds upon the exit? How does that typically work? Yeah, that's exactly what you say. So you say your money's gonna be in for five years, however long you're planning on holding this property. Maybe it's not even that long, maybe it's three to five years. Um, and then uh, and then we're going to return your money to you. Now, here's a, here's the thing that your people might be concerned about. If the property starts cash flowing, when would you start cash flowing if you start cash flowing at all? Well, there's, or do you there's, exit so there's, before you start cash flowing? Yeah, there's two two exit strategies, right? We either refinance out of the construction loan, we put long-term fixed rate debt on it, or we sell it. So mm -hmm. I guess we could flex depending on what the investor base wanted to be. Maybe there would be two different families in that. Never look at what the investor base wants. You figure okay. out the best thing is for the investor base. Because if you start playing to their their demands, you, ha you have a mess on your hands. Okay, good point. Well, with that being said, I think generally, you know, we have a 12 to 24 month hold period for these deals, you know, start to finish. Okay, and then are you going to reinvest the proceeds or are you going to you're going to give back the money? We would like that option, candidly. Okay. To, to yeah. reinvest? Our, yeah, our cash out, either one. Does it have to be one or the other? It doesn't I have guess, to be one guess, or the other, but what I would consider, because this would be a concern of these types of investors, is if you're going to make a cash distribution 
uh, for taxes. So for example, um, let's just say you buy a property, your basis is a million dollars and you sell that property for $2 million. So what's your, what's your gain? Your gain's a million dollars. So you take that million dollars along with the original million dollars. You now have $2 million. You're going to reinvest it. Well, mm, somebody's paying taxes on that million dollars, that gain, and your investors aren't going to be too happy if they're paying taxes on that gain without, um, some kind of tax distribution. So, so what you're going to want to consider is if your exit strategy, and, and sometimes they don't think about it at the time, it doesn't become a problem because until it's a problem. So if you're going to do this reinvestment strategy, we're going to reinvest for the next 10 years, and then we're going to give you all your money at the end, then you want to carve out, however, throughout the life of the, the fund, as we're making reinvestments, we will make cash distributions to the tune of 35% tax bracket. Ah, gotcha. That's kind of how you want to do it. Many layers to the onion that we would need to work through here. But this is fantastic information. And then Jillian, another question, as an entrepreneur or a uh, group was getting ready to launch, how much capital do you think they would need in order to um, bring you on for consulting and get just everything teed up? What is there? I mean, I know that's a pretty vague, broad question. Any, any ballpark figure on what somebody should have uh, as far as their runway to get this plane up off the ground? I, you know, I really want you to have, I know this is going to sound like a really big number, but it's, there's, there's a lot to it. I really want you to have budgeted about $50,000. Yeah, that's not, that's not insurmountable. I mean, I, I thought you were going to say a hundred. So fifties, you know, reasonable. Yeah. Let me give you my really good pricing, which is (laughs) 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 Uh, no, but 50, $50, $50,000. And that's not just for me. That's for like, here are the things you're going to need. You're going to need, you're going to need a pitch deck. You're going to need a platform. You're going to need your legal documents. And these are the things I, I'm going to budget the whole thing for you and try and tell you here, we're going to give money here. This $50,000, your budget is $50,000. I'm going to work within your budget and get everything you need to get that done in order to go out to the races and start raising capital. Grab that checkbook, Clay Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Gannon knows this about me though. I have no issue spending money on stuff like that because I mean, and by the way, this isn't my pitch to you, but uh, just going through this exercise, I think I could get a lot done for you guys. Yeah. Oh, man. Woo. <laughs> All right. Well, we uh, we may end up circling back around and asking you to come on the show again down the road. There, we could talk to you for a long time. Um, we really appreciate you taking some time out of your Friday to come hang out with us and share your insights with our listeners. So thank you. Oh, thanks for having me guys. This was so much fun. And I love doing this little deal analysis. This is what gets my blood going. It isn't, it isn't necessarily putting together legal documents. It's more helping people (laughs) figure out how to get from A to Z. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll put, we'll put your information in the, in the show notes and, you know, obviously encourage people to reach out to you because I think you can illuminate a lot of, a lot of paths out there for a lot of people. Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, thanks guys. You know, I have to run, but um, let's get together again soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Jillian. Bye. Bye.
Hey listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. If you feel someone within your network would benefit and learn from this podcast, please feel free to share this or any other episode with them. If you feel you have benefited from this podcast, please leave us a review on any platform where you listen to podcasts. We greatly appreciate your support and feedback, and we look forward to connecting with you on the next show. Until then, stay healthy, stay safe, stay educated.